As we continue in our Unraveled series, today we're going to jump into the Gospel of John. And it's important to note that um, John's Gospel is one that is about faith. It's about coming to believe in Jesus and understanding some of the spirituality that's going on there. That's what John's Gospel is just centered around. It's not as much focused on like historical accuracy as much as it is about discovering that spirituality that happens within ourselves and that spirituality that's going on with Jesus. And in our story today, we're going to see Jesus interact with this woman. And it's really important to understand the context in which they're interacting. This woman is from Samaria, and which makes her a Samaritan. And then Jesus is a Jew. And the Samaritans and the Jews do not get along. They are like oil and water. The connection there is very um, divisive. And um, it's also really important to note that the culture they are in is very patriarchal, um, which means that the men are definitely running the show. And a woman's like anchor in society is a man, a husband. Um, the, the woman does not have a lot of worth in a society unless there's a man that's attached to her. Um, that is the unfortunate uh, social location that this woman exists in. And so those are things that are important to keep in mind as we hear about Jesus and this woman, this woman interacting. I think we'll see that regardless of these cultural um, contextual things, this doesn't hold Jesus back from cluing her in on something that's really important, I think, for all of us to come to know and experience. So uh, let us listen for the word of God. Our reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 29. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself but his disciples who baptized. He left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired up by his journey, was sitting by the well. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said, Give me a drink. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews did not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and flocks drank from it? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty, or have to keep coming here to draw water. And so Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, believe me, 
The hour is coming when you will worship God neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and truth. For God seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship God must worship in spirit and truth. I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want? Or, Why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Loving and wonderful God, please enter into this space with us as we seek to know you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a senior in high school, I had an opportunity to go on this trip where we were going to stay overnight at a hotel. And there was a lot of different students from my high school going on this trip. And so we were getting paired together to share these hotel rooms. And the girl who I was assigned to share a hotel room with was a very popular girl at my school. And I was not a very popular girl at my school. But um, oddly enough, me and this girl had been friends in middle school and we had just kind of, you know, drifted apart and gone our separate ways. But I was pretty sure that on this trip, when we were together, she would either have completely forgotten who I was altogether or that she would pretend not to know me. However, once the trip rolled around, it became pretty clear that that just wasn't the case. Um, she knew who I was and the way that she interacted with me was very reflective of that. Um, this girl actually didn't necessarily have the best reputation at our school. People tended to not speak uh, very highly of her and a lot of people even said that she was super mean. Um, but after spending some time with her on this trip, I came to find out that that just wasn't true. It wasn't true. She was nice and I enjoyed spending a lot of time with her. But I never would have found that out if it hadn't been for us being assigned to the same hotel room on this trip. You see, this girl and I ran in very different social circles and those social circles kind of prevented us from being able to interact in a way that was meaningful or significant at all just because we didn't cross paths. But it was in this kind of odd space that we were able to interact. And that's kind of what we see happening here in our story um, at this well. This woman from Samaria is going to this well and it's noon, um, which means it's very hot and she's all alone. And this is kind of a weird thing for her. And it lets us know that she's probably more of an outcast in society if she's going to the well, which is a common place for people to go at a weird time. And Jesus being there is weird as well. This is just not a typical time for people to be hanging out at the well. And 
The woman being a Samaritan and Jesus being a Jew makes them operate in very different social circles and the likelihood of them crossing paths and having a meaningful interaction is slim. But that doesn't stop Jesus from engaging with her. He asks her for a drink of water. And this is when we realize that this woman is a bold woman. She says to Jesus, um, don't you realize that I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew? This is not how this works. She points out the oddity of this situation and how socially it just doesn't make sense. But Jesus doesn't really dive into the weird social situation they're in. Rather, he says, if you actually knew who I was, you would be asking for water from me because I can give you this living water that you can't get anywhere else. And this woman continues in her boldness and is still a little thrown off by what Jesus is saying. She's going, you do realize you don't have a bucket and this well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water that you're talking about? She even brings up her own religious context saying, are you not aware that this is the well of our ancestor Jacob? Are you saying you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? And Jesus keeps going on to explain this living water to her about how it is this spring of eternal life within us. And it comes from him. This engages this woman. It draws her in. She wants to know more about this living water. And she very forwardly asks Jesus for that. And what Jesus does next is something that you may have found rather off-putting. I know I didn't love the sound of it initially myself. But Jesus says to go get your husband and come back. While this phrase isn't one that would be uncommon for the time, as women typically needed men to be present for them to have a conversation with another man, it's just one of the things that occurs when you live in a patriarchal culture, I don't think that Jesus is playing into that culture here. I think Jesus is using this as an on-ramp to something bigger, to show this woman something important. And we see that because of the way this woman responds. She says, I have no husband. And Jesus immediately responds right back to her and says, yeah, that's true. You don't have a husband. You've had five and you're currently living with a man who is not your husband. And I don't think Jesus does this to shame her, to walk her into understanding a way that she falls short. I don't think that's the case here at all. Rather, it changes the game for this woman when he says this because she realizes this man knows me. This man sees me. And there's no reason for me to think that he would. He's a complete stranger, someone who is totally other from her, and she is seen by him. This opens the woman's eyes and she says, you must be a prophet. I've heard about this Messiah that is potentially coming and Jesus very upfront with her says, I am he. I am that Messiah that you've heard about. 
Now, Jesus doing this and having this interaction with her where he points out that he is aware of her situation with her past husbands and also where he just point blank tells her that he is the Messiah is a testament to a number of things. It not only shows that he sees her, but it also shows that he thinks she is worthy. This woman is definitely an outcast in society. We see that in this story, but that doesn't stop Jesus from letting her in on this secret, on this truth, on this living water. You see, I think when Jesus sees her, it allows her to really see Jesus. It allows her to know that God sees her and she can see God too. And in that interaction, I think that living water springs up inside of her. That eternal spiritual goodness comes alive. And in that interaction, Jesus is saying, I don't care about the social norms. I don't care that you're a Samaritan. I don't care that you're a woman. You can have the living water and you don't need to go get your husband to do so. And that's powerful. And I think that that's real for us too. God sees us. God sees the nitty-gritty details of our lives. And in that, we are invited to see God back. And in being seen and seeing another, that well of living water can spring up inside of us. That eternal spiritual goodness can come alive inside us. And all of us have access to that. We're all seen by God. We're all loved by God. And God's love is not just for the few. Being seen is not just for the few. It's not even just for the many. It's for everyone. It's for all of us. You see, God is so, so big. But God is also alive and at work in each of us. There is living water within each of us, but there is a big river that flows all over all of us. And that is beautiful and amazing, but what do we do with that? We can't separate ourselves from the spirituality, and we need to think about that. We need to wrestle with that. When we have this living water, when we know God sees us and we see God, we have to wonder, now that I'm not thirsty anymore, now that I'll never be thirsty again because of this living water, what do I do with that? What do I do about the people I know who are thirsty? What does that mean for them? I think that this is also a deep call for us to see people as well. If we are people who really believe in a God who sees, and in the Bible we hear so many stories of God, and we learn more about God, and we constantly are seeing that this God that we talk about, this God that we believe in, is one who sees, if we're going to really live into that, we need to make sure everyone is seen. We can't be ignoring people. We can't be pretending that we don't know them because they're other than us, because they look different than us, because our social status is different than theirs. 
We cannot not see them. We have to see them. That's what we are called into doing. That's what that living water can equip us to do. That love inside of us that comes from God can enable us to see people who are other and then enable them to be able to see that God sees them. That they can feel that love of God and that they can see God themselves and interact with God. Friends, I hope and I pray that you feel seen by God and that you can see God in others and maybe even allow people to see God in themselves. That's a powerful thing that we can do. That's a powerful thing that we're equipped to do. What happens between this woman of Samaria and Jesus is so powerful. And it really strikes me that we don't know this woman's name. We hear so many stories in the Bible about how names are important. People name things. And that names matter. But this woman doesn't get a name. I think that's because she's supposed to serve this powerful testament. That we're supposed to know that we can all see ourselves in this woman. That Jesus can know us and see us all personally in ways that we don't have to say ourselves. There are things that God knows about us. We don't have to reveal them. And we learn that from this woman. And we also learn from this woman that that is something that we should spread. You see, this, this woman, after she really sees Jesus, leaves the well. She drops her bucket and leaves it there. Her whole purpose for coming to this well in the first place fades away. And she goes off and says, come see a man who has told me everything I've ever done. She doesn't want to keep it to herself. This spring of living water inside her is so good that she wants to share it. And I pray that we can share it as well. I pray that you feel the living water inside you, that you feel that God sees you and knows you and loves you, and that you are allowed to see God in that, and that you see others too. Friends, will you pray with me? God, thank you for seeing us. God, equip us to be able to see others and to see you in big and meaningful ways. Help us to go past those boundaries that social norms place around us. God, thank you for the ways that you've blessed us. Please continue to bless us and allow us to bless others in that. In Jesus' name, amen.